there's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positives or negative. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. Well, forgive me, but I am welcoming you back inside the correct edition Number 170 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Award-winning, if only in my own mind. So I can't count and do basic addition or subtraction. Sue me if you'd like. I am a product of the Lakeville Public Education School System. Today's pod is a house party, if you will, with the return of the great Daniel House from Gophers Guru and MN Vikings Corner. He is on the Twitter machine at Daniel House NFL, and he is on Minnesota Sports Chat right this very minute. House, we're nearing roughly two months from Gophers and Huskers at Huntington Bank Stadium. Yeah, that's where they play. I still want to say TCF Bank. It's been Huntington for a couple of years now. (laughs) And about a month and a half away from NFL preseason football. You resting up, my man? I am fired up because this is the time of year where I'm working on all these projects and they're starting to pile up and become completed and then apply those projects as the season goes on. So I've been studying screen passes all off season, (laughs) NFL and college screen passes. So I have a whole Rolodex of plays someday, maybe when I'm called plays or something, I'll roll out all the screen passes that I found and the ones I like, but. That's been my big project, screen passes. You know, my big project, I don't really have one. I just took a little little, uh, mini vacation, stayed in the Midwest this uh, past weekend. Part of the reason why there was no pod last week, schedule just got away from me. I need to do a much better job. My apologies and thanks to the people who do reach out wondering where the pod is. That actually means more than you could probably ever know. So thank you for doing that. I do appreciate that. But spent about three days in Detroit, got to Detroit on Friday morning, came back Monday afternoon. So I guess I was there for three and a half days. Daniel, it had been almost 20 years since I'd been there. Literally half my life ago, I was there about 18 years ago. And, you know, your memory wanes over time. But I do remember, you know, speaking bluntly, and I think most people would agree with this. You go back to the mid-thousands, Detroit wasn't a lot to write home about. They had a lot of issues economically civilly many different reasons for the issues in Detroit I can tell you I was blown away this past weekend the city is incredibly nice it's probably in the best shape it's been and getting better by the day I love Daniel that Comerica Park Ford Field and Little Caesars Arena where the Pistons and Detroit Red Wings play are all within three blocks of each other I think that's really nice. I think that's really cool and helps make your downtown area vibrant. A lot of great theaters and places you can go to check out musicians and comedy shows. I was just very impressed. And if you're a baseball fan, you know, twins will go to Comerica a couple times a year still, even with the new schedule. Maybe you don't want to watch the twins. That's a separate story that we'll get to, I think, towards the end of this podcast. 
But Comerica's held up well. I think it opened in 99, which makes this the 24th season, Daniel. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel 24 years old. And in all honesty, it has some parts to it that I enjoy more than Target Field. A part of it that the park is just incredibly huge. It's ginormous. So Saturday game has about 25, 26,000 people there. You wouldn't have known. If there's 25, 26,000 people at Target Field, it can be pretty packed in congestion when you're moving through those concourses or trying to go get a adult beverage or maybe a, a broader hot dog. Not so much in Comerica. So I, I really appreciated that, and I encourage people to go check out the park if they can. Also, the home of Little Caesars. Everything is Little Caesars down there. And I, I can tell you, Daniel, I did not try one. Uh, my buddy did. He did say the Little Caesars in the Detroit area does taste better than the Little Caesars here in the cities. And that makes sense. They're going to take more pride in it in Detroit, aren't they? They have to put out the best product because people are picky. They've lived there their whole lives and they want the best Little Caesars where some guy out in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest, what does he know about Little Caesars Detroit style pizza? Nothing. He He knows knows nothing. So you have to build on the rich tradition that's been laid in the city of Detroit. And that's Little Caesars pizza. So I watch a game and I see enough marketing when you watch the Tigers and the Pistons, and I don't know. I don't, I haven't noticed it with the Lions, just because I guess the league has them as a sponsor. We see it a few times, but Little Caesars is picking up their game. Well, and don't forget the now defunct Little Caesars Pizza Bowl, which still exists. It's just not that anymore in downtown Detroit at Ford Field. House, I was thinking about you. Don't take this the wrong way, but a couple weeks ago, I was thinking about you in bed. <laughs> what? <laughs> so so here's how. Okay, so I've I've kind of gone through this kick of watching old gopher football highlights from all over. On YouTube, yeah. you can literally find highlights back in the 1950s and 60s. You can uh-huh. watch the Gophers win the axe at Michigan in 1986. You can find anything you want. A couple yeah. of weeks ago, I stumbled upon the uh, 2005 game where Gary Russell helped run the Gophers to victory late. And lo and behold, at the end of the game, Daniel, when they show the Gophers running across the field to go get that little brown jug, one of the first people they show running his heart out is Greg Esslinger running across the field. Yeah, running across the field to grab that little brown jug. And it got me thinking, Greg Esslinger is on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot, which I know you can vote for. And technically, for the right price, I and those listening to Minnesota Sports Chat could vote for Greg. So let's put that all in a bow and tie it together and talk about that. Why don't we start there? I actually talked to Greg for a story, wrote a feature on his recruiting story. He has a fascinating recruiting background going back to his days in North Dakota. Didn't have much interest at all. Decided to send his film in a VHS tape to the U of M and a couple other schools, you you got it in the mail, sent him an invite to camp. He attends one of Glenn Mason's camps and then becomes one of the best players in Gopher football history. They offer him, he performs well. There's a couple stories inside that feature talking about the camp performance and what happened. So you definitely want to go read it. But Greg being on the ballot uh, through the National Football Foundation, I'm part of the chapter here in Minnesota. So if you want to vote, you can vote. Uh, it's 
part of the membership for National Football Foundation. It gives you a lot of different perks to be involved in different events. So if you're interested in that, head it over to nffmn.org and you can find all the information on it. Greg's going to get in one of the better, I guess technically we'll go with linemen in college football history and also making it to the NFL. I know it's not technically part of the voting criteria, but you do think about that. So really cool there. And to put a bow on it, Daniel, when I said the bed part, it's because oftentimes this is what I'm doing before I go to bed. I'm just laying in bed, scanning YouTube and it got me thinking. So there you go. I wanted to put a wrap on that. Uh, How scanning rivals.com again, anytime you talk recruiting, everybody has different sites that they go to. I'm old school. Rivals was big when I first started following college football in the 90s. So I've just kind of stuck with it more for a gauge because you don't really know, right? You think you know, but you don't really know when it comes to high school kids. So I use rivals a bit as a gauge. And right now heading into the 2024 season, technically the 2024 recruiting class, your University of Minnesota Golden Gophers currently 16th in the country and I believe fourth in the Big Ten if I scanned it correctly. What is that success attributed to? Because that is a pretty high watermark for the University of Minnesota Golden Gopher football program. I say sustained success on player development. And I know people always talk about PJ discussing sustainability, but it's a big factor. Being here for as many years as he has now, people know exactly what to expect from Minnesota football. And defensively, Minnesota has elevated a lot of players on that side of the ball to the NFL and having success like Antoine Winfield Jr. was a big part in Zaheer Rayner, a defensive back from Virginia coming here. He loved watching him play and has followed his career and feels like he'd be a fantastic fit. And that type of role in Joe Rossi's defense, the versatile uh, DB spot in that defense. So it helps you in the eyes of recruits understand that they can elevate their game to the next level if they come to Minnesota. Offensive line-wise, think about it, Ross. I mean, they had offensive linemen selected in – consecutive drafts in the first four rounds for the first time since 68, 69, I believe. So it tells you that they haven't been able to consistently produce NFL caliber offensive linemen. Now you got John Michael Schmitz and Daniel Falele in back-to-back drafts. And that helps you. It, it, it helps you secure a player like Nathan Roy, who's the top player in Wisconsin offensive lineman. I wrote a big piece on, Looking back at Wisconsin four-star offensive linemen since 2002, Ross, 11 of the 17 players that met that criteria stayed home and played for the Badgers. Recently, that hasn't been as much the case, specifically with this 2024 class as Wisconsin undergoes some changes. But I love what I see from Nathan Roy. He was one of my top targets going through and watching players in Minnesota was targeting. He's just so athletic. All the traits that you're looking for, in a developmental tackle. He can get out space, make key blocks on the perimeter, jet sweeps, reverses. He's out there pulling screen passes and can get out there. Good lateral agility and a frame that will continue getting stronger and develop the technique under Bryant Callahan. So being able to win a battle like that, some of these player stories, you hear about them watching players that you know, played here at Minnesota recently, especially these defensive linemen like Boye Mafe, Asesia Tome. Well, you can lean on that in recruiting, and also it helps you with in-state players. Minnesota's done a nice job of getting those players to stay home and identifying which ones fit. 
So those are the 2024 and beyond Minnesota Golden Gophers. Well, let's uh, close with college football in the 2023 roster. You go back to uh, another spring game yet again, not open to the public. And Daniel House tells me, don't really worry about the game or the players on the field as long as they stay healthy. This roster is still going to change a lot from spring yeah. game to the first game of the season against the Huskers coming up on August 31st at 7 p.m. at Huntington Bank Stadium. So, okay, it's been almost three months, Daniel. Or, no, two months. Sorry, again, that's that Lakeville education. What has changed about the roster? Who is who is new that we might see on the field for game one? Everyone always asks me in the summer, what are you up to? And I Or the offseason in general. And I say transfer portal, NIL, uh, recruiting. So transfer portal has been hysterical. Like it's crazy how busy the transfer portal is keeping track of everything that's going on in the conference and not just the conference, but college football uh, holistically. I knew that Minnesota would definitely target defensive back cornerback room. They had like five players available and healthy for uh, spring ball cornerback. So they definitely needed to go get some players there. Trayvon Jones from Elon, four years of experience at the FCS level. He's played safety, nickel, outside. Uh, most of his defensive snaps are on the outside last season. Some of the metrics that you look at for players translating up to the power five, he checks those boxes. Very physical, versatile player who you could use in a couple of different ways. He's a very sound tackler super physical against the run and can do give you a lot of value in that area. He has to adjust fast, though. Him and Tyler Bride, who's the other transfer corner from Georgia Southern, he plays inside and outside as well, so he's got good versatility, which is key when you're trying to potentially navigate an injury hits or you need somebody to play passing downs nickel. When Jack Henderson from southeastern Louisiana, an early down nickel comes off the field, Tyler Bride might be that candidate. They could even explore putting Darius Green in that role on passing downs to get another one of the young safeties like Aiden Goosby or Coleman Bryson on the field. But Tyler Bride uh, started last season in the slot, ended up on the outside just because of how the depth chart shook out. Played a combination of press bail coverage, press man, along with some zone. So he has a lot of experience in different things. I think this scheme will fit him well. Uh, and I've heard good things about just the mentality that he has, how he fits into what they're doing. So those two players have to adjust fast, Ross, because they were not here for spring ball. Some of these other transfers were. So now you got to get them up to speed on the scheme, how Minnesota does things, and navigate through that but the good news is is they have the experience of justin wally on the opposite side uh jack henderson transferred from southeastern louisiana was there for spring you got tyler newbin in the back end leading the way so how do those pieces come together will be uh, one of the bigger questions and then also craig mcdonald ross forgot to touch on him they're waiting to see if they can get eligibility he transferred in here from auburn he was at iowa state for a while Played at Auburn last year, then got hurt, and is looking to. He's transferring here and looking to get a hardship waiver from the NCAA to get immediate eligibility. So we'll see if that happens. But he projects again as another nickel, early down nickel type. But he's also got versatility. He's played cornerback, pure cornerback at high school, uh, back at Minnehaha Academy. It really is just one game, so you have to remember that. But Coleman Bryson, the perhaps a hero of the Pinstripe Bowl. 
I got to think in that game he turned enough heads and did enough, and obviously you have to develop and continue from there. But I got to imagine he showed enough to the defensive staff that they're going to try to find ways to get him on the field should he so earn it. He's very instinctive. I, I remember hearing stories about when Coleman first got to Minnesota and he made some plays in practice and around the ball and shooting all over the place. And uh, and Kirk Shiraka was like, man, this kid right here is, is going to be a baller. And a lot of people on staff immediately were drawn to Coleman Bryson and what, what he could do. So if it's a rotational role, like I said, maybe moving Darius Green into the slot on passing downs, uh, there, there are a lot of things that have to be sorted out in the defensive backfield in the spring here. Defensive line as well. We didn't get a chance to see Chris Collins during a uh, transfer from North Carolina who will be playing rush end and complimenting Danny Strigal. Both of them will see action. So we got to see Chris Collins, Trayvon Jones, uh, Tyler Bride. Uh, first look at Craig McDonald if he can – get eligibility. Uh, Rowan Zolman, a linebacker who transferred in from a Miami of Ohio, very athletic player, contributed a lot on special teams at Miami of Ohio, uh, is going to play linebacker. Here was a safety type there. So athletic player who they will evaluate and see uh, what he can do when he gets here. Zaquan Bryan, a corner, true freshman coming in here, Ross, another player who is very athletic and fast one of the better speed profiles that they were able to add in this most recent recruiting class. So there are a lot of things to see on defense that we weren't able to really get a grasp on in the spring. It's all about player development in the spring. Now, like I say, talk to me on August 25th. That's the time where I am going to know exactly where the Gophers roster is at because I will have witnessed everything that I need to see. I mean, obviously I'm not getting a full look because it's limited practices that are open, but I have a better idea after seeing a few practices where the team's at. More deep dives on news and notes like that and so much more at gophersguru.com. Gophers open with the Huskers on Thursday, August 31st, 7 p.m. against those pesky corn Huskers at home at Huntington Bank Stadium. Saturday, September 9th at 6.30 p.m. against Eastern Michigan. Saturday, September 16th, they'll hit the road for the first time at 2.30 in the afternoon, a dentist's favorite time to take on North Carolina. Daniel, the big team in town, the 1A, the Minnesota Vikings. I know I've left out a few, but they've moved on from Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, Zadarius Smith, Patrick Peterson. They're in the older group of players. Any of those guys that you would have kept? No, I mean, I'm not looking back going, man, none of these players should have been kept. I'm looking and going, okay, these are aging players. You want to get faster on defense. That's the first thing I think I tweeted out after the the playoff game against the Giants last year. Vikings need to get faster and younger on the defensive side of the ball. They do that through the draft, uh, adding, you know, Marcus Davenport on the defensive line, who I, I don't know. We'll see if he can stay healthy and, you know, be able to contribute consistently. They targeted Dean Lowry, someone who is, you know, familiar with the type of scheme that he's going to be playing here, his role on the defensive line. And, you know, Brian Flores coming in here, running a scheme that's going to be very aggressive, stylistically so different from what uh, what they saw last year with Ed Donatel, being able to mix the front, 
send a lot of pressure, cover zero blitzes. Uh, the tight front is a big part of his defensive scheme. So, you know, Daniil Hunter, I'm hoping that they can come to an agreement on something there, man, because he is so valuable in terms of remaining competitive. Looking at that depth chart, you got to have Daniil's presence, how he impacts the game in subtle ways. I don't know if people truly appreciate the type of player that Daniil Hunter is. So he, to me, is the top priority right now. you got to figure out a way to get it done. And I think my last point on the Vikings, Ross, is that secondary. How does that shake out going into camp? Makai Blackman's new. I want to see him. I liked his film a lot at USC. Jay Ward, LSU, versatile player who I had my eyes on really early in the draft process, thought he would be a very good fit for the Vikings scheme. He's so versatile and can do a lot of different things. Uh, Joan Williams is coming in from New England, a player that obviously Brian Flores liked a lot from his time there. Caleb Evans, can he stay healthy? Uh, you know, Andrew Booth didn't get a chance to see a lot of him last year. What does he bring? Is he able to stay healthy? There are a lot of young players in that cornerback room paired up with Byron Murphy who can play the nickel or outside. Curious to see what type of role he has. I think it's dependent upon exactly what they get from some of these younger corners. I'd say he probably plays the nickel, but they have young players in there. We just don't exactly know what that room will look like just based on how they develop and whether they stay healthy. Well, and he's more on the back end in a safety role, but let's not forget Lewis Seen. Perhaps we'll see yep. him on the field this year. Thank you very yeah. much. And, and Daniel, I'll say this on the Vikings offseason. They've been able to move things around clear cap space, but I think that is for hopefully some sort of extension for TJ Hawkinson. I believe they made that move when they brought him in here to at least know he'd be in the fold for a handful of years. You mentioned Daniil Hunter, some of that money. I think the Vikings are hoping for him. Some of that money could also be for maybe another year or two extension of the quarterback. We'll see. But by and large, when it comes to free agency and the players that they brought in, Daniel, I like it when you don't have a ton of funds to play with. I like the low-risk, high-reward players. And you mentioned Marcus Davenport. He's one of those guys. If healthy, that could be a 10-plus-year sack guy. Now, if he does that this year and stays healthy, you might not be able to afford him, but that's the risk you're willing to take this year. In-house, it's probably more of a transitional year. Could the Vikings compete for a Super Bowl and win one this year? Sure, it's the NFL. By and large, pretty much anything can happen. But logically, that's probably not going to happen. I think the defense is just looking to make some incremental steps, and I'd like to think that the bodies they brought in will help them do that. And yeah, looking at the roster today, Daniel, to your point, they're already faster than they were last year. Does that make them better? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, but my comeback to that would be, they really can't be much worse than they were. So they got to be better. You know me. You know me. I'm all about speed, building your team with speed and versatility, especially on defense and the back end and in your corner room. And the Vikings are taking a step toward that. It won't happen overnight. But that element combined with Brian Flores, who I think is a fantastic defensive coordinator, great player development guy, and identifies players who fit his scheme. You always go back and you look at Brian Flores' personnel, and there are so many nondescript names that became role players and solid guys who just execute the scheme at a high level. So that will make a big difference if – 
Brian Flores can get more out of some of these low risk, potentially high reward signings uh, that they made this offseason. So I don't know the answer, Ross. I don't know. I haven't been to any camp practices yet. Looking forward to doing that, getting a feel for where the roster's at. But it, there's a ton of uncertainty on defense. But with Flores in the room, I think that helps. You mentioned speed, team speed, Vikings getting quicker. One way I speed up in the morning and get going is by morning cup of beans coffee. Yeah. How do you, how do you like that? Thank you. You're Thank you. Roll. I'm feeling good today. I slept good for probably the first time in like six or seven days. It's all those, it's all those old gopher highlights. It's, oh, they, they the do. Days. They get you pumped up, man. Those, you know, uh, what Tim shade, Corey Sauter, the, those nineties era gophers, Ryan Thelwell, Tutu Atwell, Justin Kanzemius. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. Last from the past, baby. Oh, and I love looking at the cinematic recaps that the Gophers do of all basically every game since Jerry Kill through Tracy Clays into PJ yeah. Flack. They got some really good recaps where you'll hear the announcers maybe from TV mixed in with our guy Mike Grimm. They do a great job. So shout out to the Gophers on that. Shout out to obviously Beans Coffee Company. Have you been to coffeebybeans.com lately? I know I've asked you a couple times. Please do it. I've counted 10-plus blends there. Yes, 10-plus blends. They got that Perfectus blend in the Mikado. You know I love those. I talk about them each and every week. But there is something for everybody. Maybe you like light roast, medium roast, dark roast. Doesn't matter. They have it. Order by the bag or set up a coffee subscription. Really easy to do. Coffeebybeans.com. It really is some of the best tasting coffee you will ever drink and brewed right here in the great state of Minnesota. Remember to use that promo code sports chat, that sports chat at checkout beans, coffee company ships anywhere in the U S with free shipping on all orders of $35 or more coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com promo code sports chat. And don't forget, make sure you rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify. And please make sure you tell your family and friends all about this pod. Word of mouth, still a great way to tell everybody about Minnesota Sports Chat. And if you are listening via that Score North Taxi Squad feed, please subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat. Wherever it is that you get your podcasts, you can also search Minnesota Sports Chat or Ross Brendel on the YouTube machine. And you can see my truly ugly and horrific mug doing this podcast each and every week. Uh, Daniel, let's close here just because I'm annoyed. And when I'm annoyed, I, I just like to uh, talk it out. Some therapy. Mm-hmm. House, I, I know I can fall into traps here. Yep. I still believe the Minnesota Twins are going to win the American League Central. However... I believe that's probably going to be somewhere between 80 and 85 wins, and it's not going to be worth really throwing a parade about. And yet again, I think my thoughts today would have been very similar if you would have talked to me on June 28th as we're recording this of last year. It's just a really annoying, frustrating franchise. As we record Mm -hmm. this today, they're now a handful of games under 500, still technically in first place. That could change this evening. Again, we're recording late in the afternoon They just, I'll tell you what they do well, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Well, they do two things well. They annoy their fans. That's one. And their starting (laughs) pitching is well. You're going to have clunkers, right? They do a good job starting pitching. 
You'll have clunkers. You play 162 games. It's fine. They don't hit. They don't hit with runners on scoring position. Runners in scoring position. 0 for 23 in the Atlanta series. You have to. You have to try to go 0 for 23. They don't ever build innings. They they don't run the bases well. They don't field well. They're absolute butchers outside of a few people. And they str- I don't care if the game's changed. They strike out way too much. Let's go back to the last game that I saw in Detroit. The Twins ended up winning that game. They only won that game because they put the ball in play and Nicky Maton, their butcher of a third baseman, was having a field day of adventures at third base. Okay. You can't score runs or win games on the other teams making mistakes if you never put the ball in play. They're striking out 10-plus times a game. And and here's the crazy part. Outside of Joey Gallo, who is a good power hitter, he's not a great hit-for-average guy, whatever. If Gallo wants to strike out four times a game, that's fine. The rest of these guys are seemingly pretty good Major League Baseball players with a good track record, and no matter what we do, and I say we as the franchise, they're ruining everybody they touch. Literally everybody they touch shows up here and is a worse hitter, except for maybe Michael A. Taylor. How is that possible? The problem with the Twins summarize for me is beautifully encapsulated by an article that I read that David Shama did with uh, Jim Cott talking about how baseball has changed and how the twins just consistently strike out more than any team in baseball. They don't have that competitive fire. I want to watch a game where it's old school and these guys come out and compete hard every night. When I watch the twins play, I feel like they're going through the motions quite a bit. Preach hundred percent. They go, it's they're going through the motions literally every day. And if they luck into a win, great. If not, eh, no big deal. We'll get them tomorrow. But that, that starts ugh. with laying the foundation as a manager. Like Rocco Baldelli has to hold his team accountable and provide some fire and some competitive juice to this franchise. And I felt that way from the beginning. It, it's gotten worse and worse and worse every single year. And now the Twins are at that inflection point where today, I guess after the game, the Twins didn't let the media in the locker room so that they could have a players-only meeting. And Rocco big has been deal. growing big, increasingly big deal. frustrated about everything that's going on. Well, lay down the law and get these guys to own the mistakes that they're making, get better every single day, and maximize these opportunities that you have. Because just think how how the perception would even be way different, Ross, if they were playing in another division. Oh, they're, my they're goodness. first-place team yes. in the AL Central. Everyone, I believe, would be hammering them even harder if they were in another division, and they're in third or fourth place right now. House, it's indefensible where this team is at offensively that Matt Wolner and Trevor Larnick aren't here. It's it's well, it's it's indefensible. Since May first, they've scored the fewest runs per game in Major League Baseball, and the pitching, like you said, hasn't been catastrophic. It's and, been okay. They just need to score runs, and they can't do it. And props to the pitchers for mo- for the most part, by and large, 
night in and night out still doing their job, knowing that if they give up more than three runs, they're probably not going to get the win. The, the, it all starts with culture, though. And I know that's a buzzword cliche thing that people roll their eyes about. But when you watch the Twins and you watch Rocco's press conferences, Rocco's just kind of like, oh, you know, well, uh, you know, we didn't play well enough tonight. Not up to standard. Uh, you know, well, we're going to come I, out and we <laughs> hope to do better and blah, 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 blah. Like, at least own it. At least own that, like, hey, we have to be better. We have to do things at a higher level and hold people accountable. I just want an honest press conference from the Baldali Lama as JG and Barrero yeah. call him. Because and you just don't get it. No, and house and and that's it. Like I believe there's multiple different ways to manage coach and lead. You know, you look the NFL by example. Guys who yell and scream have won championships. Guys who sit back and are laid back have won championships. But the accountability stuff still matters. And it's just, it's too ho-hum for me. And to your point, Daniel, I've seen senior citizens, old people, and senior living facilities with more of a zest for what they're doing than what Rocco seems to have. And it just, it's okay if you're winning 100 games, but it is the type of attitude that when you're, struggling to stay above 500 in a division with, I mean, I'll be honest, Kansas City is awful. Detroit is not that good. They're roughly 10 games under 500. They're probably only that good because of the teams that they're playing. Cleveland is okay, but they can't hit. And perhaps the best team in the division is the Chicago White Sox, who for some reason are as disinterested with trying to win as the Minnesota Twins appear to be. So, the first team that wants to get their act together and win 13 out of 20 games or 14 out of 20 games might run away with this division. I'm not even horribly concerned if the twins come back from a road trip and they're a couple games out of first place, because I don't think anybody is good enough to pull away, but I do think the twins are, if they can ever just get their, you know what together. And it's incredibly frustrating. And then uh, the the batting order is different almost every bleeping day, which is frustrating. And you can say, well, it's different every day because they're not getting results. Maybe because it's different every day. Could that right? Because it's different every day. Could that Jim be part Tott, of the reason? Jim Tott was talking about that in that article. People need to go read that. It was discussing how a player might be going over ten, but these days they don't keep that player in the lineup to let them work through it. No. They'll just they'll just pull it out, rework the lineup, and and mess with things. I I like to study body language, and when I watch the Twins play, the body language is not very good, especially from players going into that batter's box. Like I I turned the game on the other night, and I went, okay, I want to see what people act like when they're mingling around, when they get up into the box, what does their mentality look like? And you watch the Twins, and it looks like it's such a chore to play. And what what is wrong with that? Like, get out there and play the game of baseball like you did back in the day when you were a kid. Have fun. Play for the joy of the game. It just feels like it's not there like it used to be. Here's my final Twins thought, and then we'll, we'll close out the pod. And, I, and we brought this up last year when Correa and Buxton sat the same day and then it came out, I think, after the game that one of them was a bit banged up, which, okay, fine, whatever. Still, I'd be upset if I paid good money to go see the Minnesota Twins when they advertise Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa on billboards and then neither one is in the lineup. Unless Carlos Correa is on the injured list 
or heaving so bad he can't possibly take the field. I have no idea why he is getting a day off before the team has a day off. Even if he has horrible numbers against the starting pitcher, look around. Nobody is hitting, and he is one of my better hitters. He better damn well be playing unless he is immobile or heaving his guts out. You got to let people work through this, the slumps that they're in. And some of that is, you know, could be related to injury, but yet again, back in the day when you watch baseball, when I was a kid growing up watching baseball, there were a lot of times players are hurt, but they played through it and they did what they could to be out there for their team. And it feels like the game has changed to the point where it's not as big of a deal. They're managing how much, players are on the field versus you know maybe playing in the dh hole and all those different things it makes the game less fun to watch because the stars aren't guaranteed to play every night and it's changed how i view the game and i know a lot of other people feel the same way all right house tell us what's at gophersguru.com and anything else you need to plug i put out two pieces uh, over the last uh five days about a potential emerging players on the Gophers roster it includes film breakdowns, a blend of numbers in there. Four players that you should definitely keep an eye on entering the season. All the recruiting news, past breakdowns, everything that you need. Five dollars a month at GophersGuru.com. Check it out. Get ready for the season. It's coming fast. And they'll need those emerging players because CBS Sports dropping today that the Gophers have the toughest schedule in the Big Ten, and that doesn't even include their trip to Raleigh to take on Drake May and the North Carolina Tar Heels. Could be a pack of lunch season for the Gopher football team in 2023, but I'm I'm hopeful for six and six and a return trip to Detroit. Let's go, Daniel. Let's go. Long way to go. August 25th, baby. <laughs> that's that's the day we start making predictions. That is at Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine. I am at the Ross Brendel. And that does it for the official 170th edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. Thank you so much for joining. I'll be back in this feed next week.